thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Hey, listen. First off, let me tell Jonathan, thank you for holding the fort down this past week. Um, we were on vacation, and I did something that I've never done. I completely disconnected from church all week long. I mean, I, it's maybe even sometimes unhealthy how I'm just church, church, church all the time. And so we went to Disney this week, and well, this past week, and with the exception of checking on Jonathan a time or two, making sure that, you know, he, I hadn't left him in too bad of a situation, you know, uh, um, I didn't talk to anybody from church, and it was so good to just kind of take a break mentally from, from the last year that we've had together, um, not from y'all, but from I mean, let's just, I'm not going to say that I didn't miss y'all, but I did. I did. No, but so I was, but I did listen to Jonathan's sermon Sunday morning or Sunday, Sunday night after he'd preached it. And I love how he's already comfortable enough two weeks into his job to throw me under the bus, the first words out of his sermon. And uh, I really appreciated that. That just goes to show that we're going to have a good time together. And so uh, he will, um, We'll deal with that in the staff meeting on Tuesday. So, uh, um, but, but, you know, it was, it was so good to, to recharge and be back, and I'm glad to be back. Um, I'm ready to, to get busy for the summer. And, but one of the challenges of vacation for me is, especially these vacations where I preach on Sunday and like, or, or I miss, uh, I have a, uh, these vacations where I have a sermon that I have to preach right after I get back from vacation. So I'm not in like sermon prep mode at all, all week. Like, that's not what I'm thinking about. And then it hits me on the way home, you know, like, oh, I've got to do this. And so I listened to Jonathan's sermon Sunday from Sunday morning on kindness. So that was kind of rolling through my mind, and that made me think of the fruits of the Spirit. So it's kind of rolling through my mind. And then as we're standing in the middle of Disney World, the happiest place on earth, you know, in line for 45 minutes in 110-degree weather for a ride that lasts 45 seconds, you know, most wonderful place you could ever go with four kids, um, the idea of patience popped into my head. And so we're going to talk about being patient this morning because as, as we've already read, Jake did a great job of reading it this morning. As Christians, there are some certain kind of personality traits that we're supposed to have, all right? And they're not negotiable. It's not like, well, I can have this one and this one, but not, um, but not this other one. That's not the right way. Um, but, but in our passage from this morning, Galatians chapter 5, Jonathan talked about kindness last week. But he said, there's, some, there's some, some personality traits you've got to have. I want you to read this with me. I'll tell you when to start. But the fruit of the Spirit, now start with me, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, no, I'm sorry, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law. Okay. I want you to look at that list. And my, my voice is leaving me this morning, so just bear with me. Look at this list. How many, of you, how many of you have all of them whipped? Like, you've got them. Not a problem. Any of you? All right. How many of you look at that list and like, there are some things that I need to work on? Okay. But here's the problem in our life. We like to go, love, joy, and peace just come natural. 
And I'm gonna really focus on those. But we don't put a lot of effort in growing in maybe faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We, 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 we're, we're all about those things that it's easy, but we're not really gonna put in the work to grow in those others. But here's the thing, in all of these things, this isn't a, a, this isn't a, you know, hey, if you can get this, that's great. He says, this needs to be the way you walk. This needs to be the way you live. These things need to define who you are. And so there's going to be some things on this list that each and every one of us, we really need to work on. And I would imagine, I would imagine that for most of us, patience is the one thing that we need to work on. How many of you need to work on patience? How many of you live with someone that needs to work on patience? If their patience was better, would your patience be better? Yeah, absolutely. So, so a couple of things. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. How many of us, our life would be maybe full of more patience if we practiced the back end of that, keep on praying a little bit more? I know mine probably would. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, the love passage. He starts out with this phrase. He says, love is, it's the first word, patient. That's the first word he uses to describe love. Love is patient. So let me ask you this question. Who do you need to be patient with? Think about your life. Think about your world. Think about where you are, what's going on. Where do you need to practice more patience? Who are some people that you need to practice more patience with? Now, you can write that down. You can answer that to yourself. But I'm going to give you the scriptural sermon, three things, three people, three groups that we need to be more patient with. It wouldn't be scriptural if it wasn't three points. So we're going to make it that way. The first is this. We need to be patient with ourselves. Let's start right there. We need to be patient with ourselves. The great command, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor. And how does he finish that? As yourself. Does he say love him more than yourself? No. Does he say love him less than yourself? No. He says you love your neighbor as you love yourself. But the thing that I think we forget so many times in this great command is there is this idea of I love God, I love others, but I also have to love myself. And sometimes when we look in the mirror, we have a hard time loving ourselves. Maybe the one person that we have the hardest time loving in all the world, a lot of times may be ourselves. Because a lot of times when we think about ourselves and we reflect on ourselves, what do we tend to see? Do we tend to see the great things about ourselves or do we tend to see the flaws in our lives? We tend to see the flaws in our lives. I want you to look at me. Get a good look at me this morning. Good look at me. What do you notice about me? Do what? I don't have on a tie. I do not have on a tie. I have a um, bow tie in my pocket along with a mask. And there's probably a passing in there too if I dug far enough. Y'all, it was 110 degrees in Florida and I get home and it's 40. And my voice, like, I'm with, I, I, that, you know, that Alabama crud just set in and I just, I hadn't put the tie on this morning. Um, 
I like to do one thing and I do it real well. You know what it is, Brian? You know what it is? Eat. This is, Brian looked at me the other day. He goes, this is an optical illusion. He goes, it looks full, but it's not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've gotten to know Steve back here a little bit better. This is our new, our new phrase with each other. I li he likes to eat, so I like him. You know, let me, let me tell you something about myself. How many of you, when you look in the mirror, you don't have to raise your hand. Just think with me. How many of you, when you look in the mirror, you go, man, I'd like to look better than I look right now? Listen, y'all, I have worked really hard to get this well-rounded body. But there are times that I look in the mirror and I go, I wish I looked different. I'm not happy with myself. My weight, let's just be real and honest, my weight causes problems. I'm on blood pressure medicine because of it. I was exhausted at Disney, which probably had more to do with Disney than with me and four kids. Um, but we all have something about ourselves that we look at and we go, I wish this was different. I wish I could change. I wish I could grow. I wish I didn't have this, this sin that I struggle with. I wish I didn't have this temptation that constantly gnawed at me. I wish that in my spiritual disciplines, I was more disciplined and could do this or I could serve this way. And we all have these things that we wish we could do better, but we look at ourselves and we beat ourselves up because we're not where we want to be. But here's the thing. A couple of things have to happen. Number one, if you want to change in your life, you have to make a true commitment to change. Amen? My problem is not dessert. My problem is we have four kids. We sit down and order a meal, and that meal costs $50. And they eat one chicken strip of their four, and I'm not throwing away $50 worth of chicken. <laughs> Somebody's going to eat it. <clears throat> but for me to change... I have to truly change. But I think a lot of us, we go through this every year. How many of you, how many of you have made the New Year's resolution that I'm going to be healthier? Raise your hand. At any time in your life, I'm going to be healthier. And I think you mean that, and you, you, you're committed to that. There, you know, I'm going to download all these apps. I'm going to walk. I'm going to Weight Watchers. I'm going to low-carb. I'm going to count calories. All these things. And then you're good till February 15th. The Girl Scout cookies show up, and they're like, how many boxes would you like? And you're like, I don't know. How many do I need? How many do you need to get that free trip to Disney World? Just sign me up for that. We don't change. And we want the change to happen instantly. But true change, whether it be physical or even spiritual, means that you have to make a commitment. But along with that commitment, you have to be patient with yourself. Spiritual growth does not happen overnight. Spiritual disciplines do not become normal overnight. They are, they are things that take time. You have to put effort. You have to understand that I'm going to do great with them at some times, and then sometimes I'm going to stumble, and sometimes I'm going to fall, and sometimes I'm not going to be as great in this. But you have to learn to love yourself and be patient with yourself and give yourself time to grow. Give yourself time to change. You know, I wish that we could all look at ourselves as Jesus does, as God does, the Holy Spirit does, and see us, and I like this phrase, they see us for who we can become, not always who we are. They see so much good in us when a lot of times we struggle. 
But let's make it a point in our life to be patient with ourselves, to not beat ourselves up, to not be our biggest, you know, critic, but rather try to see ourselves in the same loving light that God does and give us ourselves room to grow. All right, let's go on to the next thing. So the next idea here, and this is probably where a lot of your minds go when we think we need to learn to be patient with others. Listen to this verse from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. A servant of the Lord, there's some things that he says a servant of the Lord must do here, okay? He must not quarrel, but must be kind. There's Jonathan's thought from last week. Tying it all together here. Must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Listen to that again. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. How many of you struggle with patience towards other people? Okay. You want to tell you why I think we struggle? It's because in all honesty, we like things to be our way. We like things to be our way. Raise your hands if you like things to be your way. I mean, we're doing a lot of hand raising. We're going to be a hand raising church for this sermon's over. You know what? I mean, for those of you that are not raising your hand, I, I don't believe you. Because here's, here's the thing. We used this illustration this morning in first service. If you get a group of people together and you ask this question, you're going to go, hey, where are we going to go eat? What's everybody's automatic answer? Hey, where are we going to go eat? Alex goes, I don't, I don't care. Wherever. You know, group that's always going to be the first answer, right? And then you're going to go, okay. Let's go to Chick-fil-A. What's someone going to say? I don't want to go to Chick-fil-A. Mm -mm. Okay, let's go to Arby's. Someone else is going to say what? I don't want to go to Arby's. So in essence, you do care. You want what? You want your way, right? You want to go eat where you want to eat, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem becomes a lot of times in our life, we Paul calls it selfish ambition and vain conceit. He says, do nothing out of those things. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit. He says, but rather consider others as important as yourself. My dad always said, no one loves Richard more than Richard loves Richard. And sometimes we get caught in that. But scripture says, when I look at you, that I'm to put your needs, your wants, your desires, the good ones, to the same level as my own, to the point to where if it's best for you, that's what I want for you. But you see, we get selfish and want our way, and when you don't want what I want, I tend to lose my patience with you. You see, a lot of times we look at patience with other people as if they would change, I would be more patient with them. But really and truly, your patience towards other people has less to do with their actions and more to do with your heart. Do you agree with that? It has less to do with their actions and more to do with your heart. And the reason I know that, the reason I know that is because there are things that I can get away with with my wife that you couldn't get away with with my wife. Why? Because she loves me more than she loves you. She's more patient with me because of her heart towards me. 
There's things that your kids can get away with that you'd never let someone else's kids get away with. Why? Let me back that up. There's things that your grandkids are going to get away with that your kids never got away with, Heather, because of their heart, because of their love for those grandkids. And so as we're learning to be patient with other people, we really need to check ourselves and make sure that our heart is focused on, hey, I'm going to love myself, but it's not going to be to the detriment of someone else. I'm not going to be vain. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm going to be focused on what God wants. And when I'm focused on what God wants, then I will be patient with other people because God's ultimately the most patient. But when my heart's in the right place, then I can be patient. Hey, that's why he says love is what? Love is patient. That is the core of it all. All right, let's go on. Last thing. We must learn to be patient with God. Let me ask you a couple of more hand-raising questions here, okay? Just trying to get you involved. Raise your hand if you've ever been disappointed with God. Okay, a few honest people. Let me ask it a different way. Because you hear that, have you ever been disappointed with God? You hear that and you think, I can't answer that honestly. Like, I can't let you. It's wrong to be disappointed with God. Let me ask you like this. Have you ever wondered why God didn't answer the prayer the way you wanted him to? Collins? Have you ever wondered, God, why did you not do it the way I wanted? Is that not kind of the same thing as being disappointed in God? Maybe a little bit. You see, this, this goes back to that selfish ambition and vain conceit stuff. But if we're not careful, we wonder, God, why in the world did you not do things the way I want? Free will is, a, is an interesting thing. We all have free will. God says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. All right. He doesn't say, therefore, go and force people to worship me. He has all the authority on heaven and on earth. So what could he have done? He could have said, bow before me. You have to worship me. Instead, he said, hey, go and convince these people that what I'm offering is the best thing that they could ever have. Convince them of that. Let them make that decision. Help them make that decision. But there's going to be some people that don't make that decision, right? Because what have we said over and over? Christianity is a voluntary thing. You make up your mind. You practice your free will to give your life to God, to be baptized, to become a child of God. Okay, You make that decision. But there are going to be some people that you pray for. There are going to be some people that you pray for. I could sit here and pray for Ron all day. Let's say Ron's living his life in a different direction than he needs to. I'm living it to God. He's living it away from God. And I'm going to pray, God, just make Ron come back. And we get frustrated because Ron has free will to do whatever he wants to do but I want God to intervene and to just make him. And we get frustrated. And we get disappointed in God. But you know, God has, God's not gonna make us do anything we, we don't wanna do. Let's understand that. But secondly, let's acknowledge that God understands a lot more than I understand. God's got the, the big picture. He understands this, this, this world. He understands timing in such such a greater way than I ever could. Moses is a great example of this. Moses knew in his life that he had a job. His job was to deliver his people from the Egyptians. And at the beginning of Moses' story, Moses goes out and he sees this, this Egyptian 
uh, uh, slave owner beating these, these workers. And what does he do? He kills the guy. Okay, he knows, I want to make a difference. And, and he ends up running away because the way he was going to do it was not going to be right. It was going to cause problems. And he runs off and he's in a desert. He's in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness for 40 years by himself. Guess what he's doing? He's a shepherd. This is God's timing, right? This is God's understanding. God knew this is the guy that I'm going to use to deliver my people, but it's going to take time. I'm not going to answer his prayers right when he wants them answered in the way he wants them answered. I'm going to answer them, but it's going to be my way with my timing, with my purpose. And that's what we have to lean in and trust in God is his way, his time, and his purpose. And when we tend to be impatient with God, it's because we want it with my way, my time, and my purpose, correct? So let's learn to lean in and be patient with God. So three things this morning. Be patient with yourself, be patient with others, and be patient with God. Listen, this is one I believe one of the hardest disciplines as Christians, one of the most difficult, because, you know, we spend enough time together, we spend enough time together, we're gonna get on each other's nerves. Agreed? I talked to a guy coming out of the hotel the other day, um, He's been, he was down there with 16 members of his family. They were halfway through the trip. He was so ready to go home. He loves every one of them. If you spend enough time with the same group of people, you're gonna get on each other's nerves. And we have to learn to be patient with each other. We have to learn to be patient with each other. That's gonna be a key to our growth as a church family is how we love each other in that way. So I hope that you take this lesson and I hope you, you think about it, pray about it, and I hope you grow in it. Let's go to God in prayer as we end our lesson time. <coughs> God, we thank you so much for just being with us and, and, and loving us and, and being patient with us, God. You are so patient with us, and we appreciate that so much, and we pray that that patient leads us to growth, to maturity, to understanding, to love, and to our own patience with each other. God, I just... I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the patience that he had as he ministered to people around him, the patience he had as he trained his apostles to lead the church after he would be gone, the patience it took to hang on the cross and not to call those legions of angels to come and rescue him. We thank you for Jesus and help us to live with the same heart as Jesus had every single day. Bless this church family, God. Thank you so much for the showering of blessings that you've just given us over the last year. Even in the midst of challenge, you've blessed us in so many ways. Thank you so much for that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, 
and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.